Well, good morning, Coastal Church. Oh, I think we can do better than that. Good morning, Coastal Church. Wonderful. If I have a podium or music stand or whatever, we need probably get one of those pretty awesome music stands there, Pastor David. I'm glad that I get to share the Mother's Day this morning um, message. The exciting thing is, is that I have a mother, and um, I think it's pretty important because I think all of us here have a mother, and um, Jesus even had a mother, and so he even talks about his mother. Um, my wife is here this morning along with my five incredible kids. Um, you have five kids, and um, you're like a mother, like mother, mother. Um, thank you. Holly, for birthing five kids. Um, it was a miracle. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 19. We're going to look at Jesus' interaction with his mother, and we're, gonna, uh, we're just going to start there, and then we're going to go through um, this message. John chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 16 through 30. It's nice that my, my daughter, when she watched the video, she said, I thought it was just going to be a bunch of kids saying, like, Happy Mother's Day and stuff. We're like, oh, kind of crying. And my wife leans over and goes, it's nice, it's nice that Coastal remembers that sometimes Mother's Day is difficult. And um, I, think that that, that's the, I think that's the tension. We want to celebrate our moms, but for some people, Mother's Day is not as wonderful um, of a day. Um, and that's the tension that we have, that we live in, um, and the world that we live in for all of us. John chapter 19, we're going to look at um, verse 16 and following. And um, there's seven things Jesus said from the cross when he died. Um, there were seven things that he spoke, seven little phrases and, um, that, he, that he gave and we're going to look at some of them here in this passage of Scripture. Um, but one of them was to his mother, and that's what we're going to kind of hone in on this morning. John chapter 19, beginning with verse 16. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. That was Pilate. So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with two others one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says they delighted, divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. 
And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let's pray. My precious Father, on this glorious day, this Mother's Day, Lord God, we remember your son Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. We remember, Lord, that you had a mother and your thoughts were with your mother. And Father, we pray that you would take this word and you would divide between our soul and spirit and our bone and marrow. We pray, Lord God, that you would change us and transform us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, let your word and your Holy Spirit go forth in a way that changes us, that, that resides in us so that we will not be the same. Change our thinking, change our feelings, change our actions. And as always, Lord God, let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Famous last words. Jesus is on the cross. He says seven things. Of the seven things he said by means of introduction, um, we'll look at it in a second, but I wanted to kind of share some famous last words of different people. When Frank Sinatra died, he said, I'm losing it. Then he died. William Henry Seward, architect of the Alaska Purchase, was asked if he had any final words. He replied, Nothing, only love one another. Herman Melville, the author of Moby Dick, screamed out on his last, God bless Captain Vare, referencing to his then unpublished novel, Billy Budd, found on his desk after he died. Richard B. Mellon was a multimillionaire. He was the president of Alcoa. And he and his brother Andrew had a little game of tag going all through their life. The weird thing was this game of tag lasted for seven decades. When Richard was on his deathbed, he called his brother over and whispered, last tag. Poor Andrew remained it for the next four years until he died. I can totally relate to that one. When people are dying, they often remember or they often think of the most important things in their life. They often think about things that um, they must do or they must say before they die. I, was, uh, I had cancer for two and a half years when I was 23 to 25 and a half. And um, I remember sitting next to people that were dying around me, and we would get our treatments on these big chairs with the IVs. And I remember talking to this man named John, and he looked over to me, and this guy lived in downtown Denver on the top floor. He had the penthouse suite. He had all the money in the world that you could probably imagine. And he looked over to me, and, and he said, I'm dying. And he said, and there's nothing I can do about it. And I said, well... 
okay. And we're kind of all sitting in this room and we're all getting our IVs. And he looked at me and he said, you know, merciful, cancer is a pretty merciful way to die. I'd never thought of that that way. And he said, because I get to have all the conversations that I've always wanted to have with people. I get to say the things that I've always wanted to say. And I get to communicate to my mother and to my father and to my wife how much I love them and how important they are to me. Jesus was on the cross and he said seven things and I think all of them are extremely important but the one that we're going to look at is the one in the interaction that he had with his mother. Let me go through the six though. In Luke 23, 34, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Luke 23, 43 said, Truly I say to you, as he's talking to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Then the passage in John 19, 26 and 27 about his mother. Then in Matthew 27, 46, Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? John 19, 28 said, I thirst. John 19.30 said, it is finished. Luke 23.46 said, Father, into my hands I commend my spirit. In John 19.26 and 27, Jesus' thoughts were for his mother. In that moment, in those seven statements that Jesus makes, he's thinking of his mother. And I think that there's something important to be said here. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, if you have your Bibles, you can look over there. But the Apostle Paul's writing, and he's talking about the family. And in verses 1 and following, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. that It may go well with you, and you may have long life in the land. Then he talks about fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. The Apostle Paul is talking about something that Jesus did. When he was on the cross, Jesus had an obligation and a responsibility to love and to honor his mother. I think back to my parents, and my dad had my mother, uh, my grandmother, his mother, come live with him the last eight years of her life after my grandfather passed away. And I asked my dad, I said, Dad, what's it like having Grandma live with you? Because she was the matriarch of the family and we loved her so much. And he said, there's a reason that I moved out when I did. <laughs> he said, now my mother is mothering me again. Well, I can relate to that because my mother, even though she lives in Florida, it's where all the lots of mothers live, I guess. <laughs> My mother still mothers me. Once a mother, always a mother. Once a son or a daughter, always a son or a daughter. But I want to give you three truths, four truths from Scripture. There's a typo. It says three truths. So I guess one's a suggestion, the other are truths. No, not really. There are four truths. So you, can under, you can cross that out and put four truths about Jesus honored his mother and how we can honor our mothers. See, what's interesting is, is that we as Christians, get to follow the example of Jesus Christ. That it's our responsibility to follow the example of Jesus Christ in our life. That as followers of Jesus, we say Jesus' life is the template 
of the way that we're supposed to aspire to. Now, it's impossible for us to be exactly like Jesus. But Jesus did say, I'm not leaving you as orphans, but I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And when he gives us the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God likens or quickens us to be more like Jesus and encourages us and pushes us to be more like Jesus Christ. And so there's four truths of how we can honor our mother like Jesus honored his. The first one is this. Jesus acknowledged his mother in her distress. Think of the anguish of watching a child die. I think about many people that have maybe lost their children. And I remember a parent saying to me one time, it's unnatural for a parent to watch their child die. It's not, it's not the way it's supposed to be. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The consequence of sin, the result of sin, causes death. And so therefore, people die often prematurely. We were created for eternity. We were created to live forever. But because of sin, that cuts it short. So Mary is watching her son die, and Jesus acknowledges his mother in her distress. And I, and I wrote below it, even though she bossed him around in the past. In John chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, we see that Jesus is at a wedding. And it's a great celebration. And before his time had come, or before he was going to reveal himself, they run, they're having a huge celebration, and there's a huge party going on, and there's wine, and the wine runs out, because I guess the celebrating was really good, or something like that. And all of a sudden, Mary go, comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, they've run out of wine. And he responds with woman. Oh, here we go. Woman. Now, this is respectful. It wasn't like, woman, are you kidding me? No, it was very respectful because he was addressing her as a lady. Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. He, this was before he was going to reveal himself. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. She completely ignored him. And said, no, you have to do this for me. Do you, are you reading the subtext? Are you reading what's going on? It's my mom coming to me and asking me to do something. And I go, mom, I'm not, not going to do that. I can't. I'll see you soon, honey. <laughs> like, come down, like, you know, hey, mama, we can't come down to Florida this year. I'll see you soon, honey. It's okay. I know you'll figure it out. <laughs> That's the response. And so what did Jesus do? He did his very first miracle. Because his mom told him to. He obeyed and he honored his mom. His mom said, go do this. So then Jesus then has the servants fill the pitchers with water. The water then, then, then they said, he said, serve this. And then they start serving the wine and it's the best wine of the feast, which I have no idea what that means, but it's good wine. And everybody's celebrating. And all of a sudden, that was a big amen. That was a big Amen. And everybody's celebrating, but in the moment of her distress, he doesn't hold that against her. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you have something against your mother. And like we saw in the video, there's some forgiveness that needs to be administered. Maybe your mom passed away, and you didn't have the opportunity to reconcile. The issue is, is this, that 
we can acknowledge we can acknowledge the past, but we can acknowledge and in that moment we can release any unforgiveness we may have. Number two, Jesus spoke kindly to his mother. Jesus spoke kindly to his mother. He saw his mother. It was extremely agonizing, I'm sure, as they divided his clothing. Maybe she bought him those clothes. My mom buys me clothes. Some of them are still hanging up, and I wear them when she comes into town. Because <laughs> that's important. Oh, I bought that for you. Yes, yes, I know. Yes. <laughs> the rest of the time, it's in the closet. I can't wear bright Miami Miami, you know, type shirts um, all the time. So she's probably going to listen to this message now. Oh, man, I'm in, I'm in trouble. Um, I'll be wearing it next Sunday as I preach. Um, so, so they said one to another, um, let's not tear it. So I mean, think of the anguish. When Jesus saw his mother, though, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, Behold your son. He spoke kindly to her. And why was that kind? Because Jesus' thoughts were of her. He, he saw her. He knew the relationship that they had. That she was born, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus. And how that probably, I'm sure it remained with her. But even though she might have heard him in the past, in Mark chapter 3, verse 29, um, you see that Jesus' family, brothers and mothers, mother, his own mother, come, and they're kind of embarrassed by Jesus' ministry. And there's this interaction that you can read in, in Mark chapter 3. It's also in Luke. But there's this interaction, and, it, and, and the, the, the context and the syntax in the Greek kind of alludes to the fact that there might have been some embarrassment because they were trying to keep Jesus quiet because his popularity was growing amongst the people, but the religious leaders were not very happy with Jesus because he was calling them out. And so they came and they were waiting outside to have a conversation and deal with this family matter. And, and, and Jesus said, you know, who's my mother? Who's my brothers? Anyone that does the kingdom of God, those are my mothers. Those are my brothers. In different translations, in different scripture, if you, the NLT, the NIV, the NASB, they have, they have different kind of takes on it. But the reality is, it's this idea that anyone who does the will of my father, those are my mothers. Those are my brothers. And I think Jesus in that moment when they're there to confront him or they're a little bit embarrassed by him, I think Jesus probably was hurt by that. I think Jesus probably might have been hurt from that. Like, don't you remember that the Holy, you were, you were a virgin when you gave birth to me. Think about some of the anguish. I want you to feel maybe a little bit what Jesus felt in that special relationship with his mom, but his mom maybe being caught up by the brothers and sisters that came to confront Jesus and that she got wrapped up with her other children and saying, well, maybe they're right, maybe they're right. And then they go to confront Jesus and call him out. 
But even in, his, even in that, Jesus spoke kindly to his mother. I think it's important this morning that we speak kindly. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. I mean, kindness is, is something that we ought to administer to, even though... And it's interesting, you know what? Our mothers can hurt us deeply at times. Our parents, our, our, our other people can hurt us deeply. Why? Because we're opened up to them. We don't think that they're going to hurt us. But still, we must forgive. We must speak kindly. And Jesus led by example. Number three, Jesus provided care for his mother, even though he couldn't do it himself. He provided care for his mother. He called out the disciple whom he loved, the disciple that was closest to him, the intimate disciple John, his, probably his closest disciple, his closest friend. And he saw John there at the cross. He saw his mother and he saw John and he said, Behold your son. Communicating, I'm transferring my son responsibilities to you, John. What a friend. What community. Think about your small group. Could you do that in your small group? Hey, take care of my mother now for the rest of her life because I'm going now. Think about that relationship, that intimacy that they possessed. What's the body of Christ to be like? And this is Christ looking at John and the intimacy and the relationship that they had. Now, granted, he's Jesus, and obviously Jesus is probably going to help John, you know, because he's the son of God, right? But there's this, there's, this, there's this incredible, but I mean, in this moment, think about the moment of despair. Like, Jesus is actually dying. There's nothing more Jesus can do for John. Maybe John's thinking, man, what's the responsibility that I'm going to have? But Jesus entrusts John, knowing that John is going to be faithful and loyal to Jesus to the end by caring for his mother. I think that that's important. How does that relate to us in regards to, I think if we're following Jesus' example, we ought to think about our parents as they get older. I think that there's an important responsibility to that. I saw that I've seen it modeled in my parents' life as they care for, they've cared for my grandparents and they've cared for my, 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 my dad's parents and now they're caring for my mom's mother. But Jesus provided care for his mother. He set up a plan to take care of her. It's important that we look and do the same. I think the world is watching on how we do this and how we take care of those that are elderly. Finally, number four is this. Jesus protected his mother. How did he protect her? Jesus protected her through his work on the cross and the resurrection. It's interesting, and this is, this is, this is the, I think this is the crux. Jesus knew what he had to do. Because it wasn't just for the salvation of others. It was the salvation of his own mother. Mary had to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Mary had to have a relationship 
in that way. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, do you have it? You can bring that up. It says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus Christ is what the apostle Peter was talking about. There's no other name whereby we can be saved. See, Jesus protected his mother knowing that this sacrifice that he was making was the ultimate gift and protection for his mother offering eternal life. See, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But what's great and what we haven't read is the best part of the story is that in a couple of chapters later, we see that Jesus rises from the dead in John chapter 20. Actually, one chapter later. First day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. They were coming to put spices on his body. And Jesus was risen. See, Jesus protected his mother just as he protects us through the glorious work on the cross. He saves us. He, he loved us enough to die on the cross for our sins and rise from the dead. And what, what, what do we have to do? What's the response? We repent of our sin. We believe that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that he rose from the dead, and we receive him into our life. We believe that and we receive him, but as many as received him to them, he gave the power to become children of God. How are we in this process See, the greatest thing that we can do in the protection of our relationship with our mother is for us to both have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What's exciting to see is that the fact is that I, my grandmother and I were close and she passed away, that my dad will see his mother again, that I will see my mother when she passes because of the relationship with Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and his glorious resurrection, Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. That our relationship is for eternity. Now, the relationship of, of, of mother-son is gonna be different. Thank God. And that's not in a negative. That's just love my mom. But it's this, that, that when we get to heaven, that we will see each other again that that relationship now is protected forever because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's my prayer this morning that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you would pray and receive Jesus Christ and invite him into your life to be your Lord and Savior. So what's the aha? What's the big aha moment of all of this? The aha moment is this. We must follow the example of Jesus Christ's followers to demonstrate our devotion to Christ by how we care for, care for our parents. Jesus cared for his mother. First John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, they that claim to be in Christ must walk as Jesus walked. That's the ESV. I like the King James better. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. The King James says, they that claim to be in Christ must walk as Jesus walked. So just as Jesus in his last breath was concerned, his concern was for his mother, so our concern as we follow the example should be for our parents, should be for the ones that God has entrusted to us to care for, that we would be faithful. Because here's the deal, the unbelieving world doesn't get it. They don't understand it. Why would you do this? Why wouldn't you do this? Why won't you let the government take care of them? Why won't you let the state do it? Because we have a responsibility to follow the example. 
of Jesus Christ as Christians, regardless of what's happened in the past, regardless of how they maybe have hurt us, regardless of whatever, we have a responsibility from this day forward now to follow and walk as Jesus walked. That's the beauty of the gospel because Christ changes everything. And it's not too late for some of us, for us to be able to walk as Jesus walked. Why? Because Christ has changed us, he's transformed us, he's redeemed us, he's restored us. And because of this glorious salvation, therefore we can walk alive in and now. It's incredible. But if you, only if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've never received Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And as they're coming up, I just want to ask you the question. Oops, sorry. You're good. I just want to ask you this question. Have you believed and received Jesus Christ? Are you in a right relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you intimate with him? Has he come in so that you can walk in the way? Because here's the deal. The only way we can treat our parents the way that we need to treat them. Oh, you know what? You can have this. You probably, no, just take it, man. Just take it. It's good. It's good. Sorry, man. We need to get another podium. What the heck, man? Who's that executive pastor, man? That guy. He needs to get that fixed. No, have you believed, have you received Jesus Christ? Having a relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important relationship that you can have. More important than a relationship with anyone else is a relationship with Christ because he changes things. And in Revelation, it says he makes all things new. It doesn't matter. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new when you're in Christ. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to give you an opportunity. I can't think of a better time on Mother's Day for us to be able to invite Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for each person. And if there's anyone here, Lord God, that has never received you as Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord God, on this Mother's Day that they would trust you to be their Lord and their Savior. That they would confess their sins they would say, Jesus, forgive us. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my life and make me new. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. And by faith, I take you into my life. I receive you into my life. We love you, God. We thank you for the crying children, Lord. We love you. We thank you that it represents new life. And that in Christ, we have new life. And I pray, Lord God, if someone prays to receive you, Lord God, that they would experience the new life through the power of your Holy Spirit coming and sealing that decision. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's truth. Thank you for today. It's in Jesus' name we pray.